Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. This morning uh, we'll carry on from the weekend and uh, the, the essence of the, the conference was about multiplication and what does it mean and uh, in light of discipleship specifically. So the question to, um, or the title to my message this morning is in, in the form of a question is, am I a true disciple? And that's a question that each one of you get to ask yourselves, or is, am I a true disciple? And what is a disciple? The strong, uh, strong's definition to disciple is a learner that is a pupil. A learner that is a pupil. Now, we can't just find a definition of a word through the Strong's, for example. If we, if we do uh, studying of the Bible, we can't just look at a word in isolation, go to the Strong's or go to an Oxford Dictionary and find the meaning of the word in that alone. It can be helpful, but at times it can also not be helpful. Where do we go? What do we need to do? We need to look at the word within the context of the verse to find its true meaning and true purpose. Because obviously, as we know, um, the Bible is written in different languages and through translations and things like that. Um, at times we could miss a thought or meaning behind something if we don't look at all of those things into or take it into consideration. So we're going to go to John chapter 8 to further define this term of discipleship. The Strong says it's a learner or a pupil or a learner that is a pupil. And so John chapter 8 verse 31 and 32 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that's a New Living Translation. Then the Passion says this, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. Okay, so the Passion and the, the New Living puts emphasis on, on a few different things. The New Living talks about uh, um, if you are my true disciple, and the Passion says if you, uh, um, if you do these things, you, you prove that you're my true follower. So the word disciple and follower is huge interchangeably, interchangeably throughout the Bible. And they both mean the same thing. It's a, it's a follower of Christ. It's a disciple or a pupil of Christ. But it's specifically because if we look just at the, 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 the definition of the Strong's, it says a learner or pupil. But we need to ask a learner or a pupil of what? Right? Because you can be a learner or pupil of many things. Like the, 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 um, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and uh, all of the, the religious people of Jesus' day, they were also learners and pupils and rabbis and, and uh, they were teaching. But was it in accordance with the gospel of Christ? No, it wasn't. Jesus came and he uh, expounded unto them and he explained to them what's the purpose and the meaning of the scriptures. And he used the scriptures to point people to himself, to point people to Christ and what his, uh, his purpose was for us as a world. So we need to ask ourselves the question, firstly, the new living back again, and says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, right? Are you a believer? If you're not a believer, we'll give an opportunity to, uh, to uh, respond to 
to the message and what you're hearing and respond to the message of, of Christ and receive Him. Um, so that's the first question we need to ask in light of this. Are you a believer? And then Jesus responds with, and his response is interesting because oftentimes we think that being a believer is the end goal. But it's not. Receiving Christ is not the only goal to this life here on earth. Otherwise, Jesus would have said, what would he have said? Jesus said to the people who believed in him, well done for being a believer. <laughs> That's not what he said. What did he say? You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And then you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The passion again. If you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. So there's more to Christianity than just believing on Christ. It also boils down to coming to know Christ. This knowing is not just intellectual as you know kind of the, the road from here going back home. It's not intellectual. It's not just through your mind. It, it comes to your heart. And that's invitation. This word knowing is not just intellectual but it's intimate. We find the, 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 the first account of the word in Genesis where it says that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and had a child. So that word knowing is used in so much, it, 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 there's, there's depth to that, there's intimacy, there's real heart-to-heart -heart connection. And that is Jesus' invitation here, is not to just be a believer on Christ, but to be overwhelmed with who Christ is, to allow Christ to, to saturate your whole life, your whole heart, your whole mind. I love how the Passion talks about if you continue to embrace all that I teach you. And this is not religion. So don't think religion. Don't think law and rules and, and to-dos and to-nots. That's not what Jesus is talking about. A disciple is someone who believes in Jesus and makes him Lord over their lives. The, the fact of the matter is that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. But the question is, are you making him Lord over your life? Are you making him Lord over the decisions that you are making? Inviting him to have Lordship over the decisions you're making. <coughs> That's the difference. A disciple is someone that receives salvation, as Jesus said, those who believed on him, or if you believe in me, but then it's also someone, and this is where discipleship comes in, it's someone growing in the knowledge of salvation. 1 Timothy 2.4 For God's will is for the world to be saved, salvation, and to come unto knowledge of the truth, discipleship. So it's salvation, receiving Christ, but then it's also growing, understanding what the salvation actually means. And what my purpose is, what God has called me and invited me into. And we're going to look at some key maturing factors to discipleship. And I invite you to make notes and write the scriptures down. Write out some questions if you've got questions. It's important to not just approach the word, and this is why we're talking about discipleship, to not just approach the word and be someone who hears something, nods his head, or says an amen, but you don't consider what's the application of this to your life. 
if there's a challenge from this word to your life that you need to respond to. That's called obedience, which uh, grace people generally don't like. The ministry is called grace life, but it's grace in its proper place. It's grace in balance. Right? Salvation comes by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of yourselves. It's not a work no one can boast about. But now growing in knowledge of truth is not by grace through faith. Discipleship is not by grace through faith. Discipleship is something that you choose to purpose, to pursue, to be intentional about. And guess what is the fruit of discipleship? It's a life of freedom. It's a life of meaning, significance, satisfaction, contentment, beyond anything that you could have ever dreamt about. Some of you don't believe me, and that's okay. That's why we're here. Amen? Amen. It's important to come understand that, man, the gift of life and the fruitfulness that, that we see in the Word and the fruitfulness that we see in people's lives like Paul and Timothy and, and Peter. Man, they, they were ordinary, ordinary men like you and me. Ordinary men that started to believe something. That started to yield to something. And approach life not just from the sense of, hey, okay, I've got my, my, my fire insurance. I've now received salvation, so let's sit and wait for this thing to play out. Christians need to stop sitting on the bench on the sidelines, spectating some form of sport, church and things like this, and start getting onto the field of life and start partaking in the mission that God has invited each one of us into. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4 verse 9. And if the word doesn't challenges you, challenges you yet, uh, it will challenge you in a few moments. Because a good word is... Because without a challenge, there's no room for growth. Think about life. Without a challenge, there's no room for growth. Now, not every challenge is by default going to lead to growth. Why not? Because of pride. Because you can be challenged here this morning and be prideful and say like, I don't like what he said. I'm going to go home and do my own thing. That's pride. I did it my way. Not Yahweh. <laughs> have to go there. Always have to go there. The anthem of self, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. From the beginning of time, that has always been the root cause of all problems. Self, pride, doing it your way versus God's way. So Philippians 4 verse 9, and uh, we're looking at some key maturing factors to this life of discipleship. And like I open up asking this question, the title to the message is, Am I a true disciple? Am I a true disciple? I can't determine for you. Each one of you determines for themselves. And our determining should come through the word. And asking our questions of, 
how is this applicable to my life? How much of this am I yielding to in my life? Have I invited God into and given Him Lordship over this arena in my life? Philippians 4.9 Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So Paul is writing in context, Church of Philippi, writing to believers, and he's giving them this invitation, those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. So there's a bunch of things to consider from this, but the first thing here, and the very important thing is that discipleship happens through relationship. Yes, relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, which is the perfect teacher and comforter, but then there's also relationship in this context where I am teaching, where I am ministering. And so Paul is writing to the churches and he, and, he, and he says, those things which you have learned and received and heard, that's teaching. Are you learning? Are you hearing? But a greater question is, are you receiving? Because you can be hearing without receiving, right? For example, if you fall asleep in church, I'm ministering and there's words going out, but you're not receiving anything, right? Because you shut off. And so the question is, am I receiving? Am I watching? So Paul is saying, those things that you see in me, do. So a two-letter word there that we often just kind of miss because it's so small. Like we just focus on those things we do learn, receive, we hear, and the God of peace shall be with you. No. Do. Discipleship is doing. Again, discipleship is not by grace through faith. Maturing is not by grace through faith. The empowering, the source and the ability is there. Praise God. That's the biggest, that's the biggest challenge, the biggest hurdle has been crossed. Jesus gave us something. Immense power, immense ability to see change in our lives, to see change in this world. But are you willing to go through the process of discipleship? Hearing, receiving, learning, and doing. 2 Timothy 3.14 says, But continue thou and the things which you have learned and have, have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. Now this is a, such a blessed uh, uh, scripture where, where we need to understand that Paul again is writing to Timothy. And Paul is saying in specific context here, continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of. Very important, here it comes. Knowing of whom you have learned them. So Paul here is, is encouraging Timothy specifically to continue in a message and a ministry that is received from himself, Paul. So this is not applicable to, and obviously Paul's ministry and his message was specifically, obviously in line with the word of God and the message of Christ. That's why he encouraged Timothy in this. So you cannot take this verse and go apply it to your life directly if 
The people you are learning from is not pointing you to Christ. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what title they have. If they're not pointing you to Christ, this verse is not applicable to them. Don't continue in that. Continue in that which you have learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them, knowing what they preach. If they don't preach Christ, let them be accursed. 2 Timothy 2. I said if uh, it wasn't challenging you, then uh, it's going to get challenging. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1 to 5 from the New Living Translation says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. That's important. The grace that, that, that God gives you in Christ Jesus. There's no grace outside of Christ Jesus. There's no empowering. Grace is not just... In some, in some senses, grace is... Jesus was grace personified. That's a beautiful like, uh, explanation of grace. Grace is, Jesus, is, uh, um, Jesus is grace personified. <coughs> Excuse me. But it's important to understand also grace is also an empowering. It's empowering. In Galatians chapter 2, verse, verse 20, 21, it says that I do not frustrate. So Paul is writing, Galatians 2, 21. He says that I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. So what he is saying here that the grace of God is an empowering. And that empowering can all only have its effect in my life if I have it in its proper place. And the grace of God is not by works. It's not by performance. It's by yielding. By surrender. That is what faith is. Faith is believing on God. Trusting in God. That's surrender, right? Trusting in someone else other than yourself. Leaning on someone else other than yourself. So this grace, this empowering, a life of empowering is only found in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things. Say teach. 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 Right? You've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. What is that? Discipleship. We're going to read that again. You've heard me teach. What are you hearing this morning? You are hearing Etienne teach. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Tag. You're it. <laughs> discipleship and a calling of discipleship is not just for those in full-time ministry or the pastor or the, the overseer or the this or the that. It's for every believer. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So discipleship is not just a matter of I'm spending time with Nathan and, 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 and putting the word in him for the sake of Nathan. True discipleship is multiplication where it doesn't stop at Nathan. 
It starts with Nathan, then from Nathan, Nathan starts with someone else, and then that continues. And then before we know it, it's not a picture of addition, but a picture of multiplication. And we'll look at a, at a video at the end of the, the message just to kind of give us this idea and this picture again of God's, God's plan, what He intended with discipleship, and why it's vitally important for us to ask ourselves this question of, am I a true disciple? Verse 3, endure suffering. No, let's, let's skip that. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Again, the life that God has invited us into. You might be sitting here this morning and think, man, this just seems just seems so like old school, outdated, culturally irrelevant. Let me ask you this question. How much contentment are you enjoying today? How much peace are you experiencing today? Because true, eternal contentment is only found and a life surrendered to Christ. I've, I've seen this, and I'm seeing this continually in my life, in other people's lives, where you, where you counsel and, and how people work through and process through difficult things, and, and oftentimes, I'm not going to make an absolute statement, but just to kind of be a little bit more gentle. Oftentimes, the problem that people are experiencing, the, the, the fruit, is not just what it appears on the surface. There's a deeper root to the problem. And it all comes down to this. A life surrendered and yielded to Jesus Christ's Lordship. Did I say often or did I say always? can't remember. You choose. Man, it's amazing when we start responding to you. Romans 12 verse 2 says that yield and, and uh, yield your lives, be a living sacrifice in response to God's marvelous mercies and grace. It is easy to yield and surrender your life when you come to experience the mercies and the grace of God and the purpose that He has for each one of your lives. It's not a matter of you waking up and you come into a place in your life where you're like, man, I want to do this and I've got this desire and God has gifted me with this and so I'm going to uh, um, pursue this career and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to have fun and it's going to be good. Yes, God has wide in specific ways and he created you all of that is amazing and I don't diminish that but again we need to put those giftings and the wirings and how God has created you in its proper place and it's a life surrendered a life laying up for themselves treasures in heaven not on earth because treasures on earth corrupt. 
They rust, they decay. Matthew chapter 6. But treasures in heaven last for eternity. I think all of us, maybe in some way or another, have experienced the, the decay and the, the corruption of this world, right? Where things fluctuate and economies fall, and we see chaos in this world. Like, you're blind if you don't see the chaos and the, 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 the fragileness of this world. But there's one constant in this world. One, not two, not three, not a handful. There's one constant. There's one eternal. And it's God. He's spread in you and what He wants to do through you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm not going to further elaborate on uh, 2 Timothy, those blessed verses that we saw there on suffering and all of that. You can put the, the shoe on and see how it's applicable to your life and respond to to that but just one one point from there discipleship is a, is a life of surrender surrender your will to God's will and that might sound cliche it might sound why you don't have to but you bear the fruit of the choices that you're making it's not a prophecy of doom God himself said that he resists the pride, the proud, and he gives more grace to the humble. It's not that he's actively trying to be mean or going out of his way, but it's a it's a law, it's a code that has been written in life, so to speak, like the code of gravity. Don't be upset with gravity. You know that gravity exists. Don't go jump off of a building thinking you're gonna fly. There's gravity, guys. If you didn't know, like I'm telling you now, there's gravity. Don't, don't try that. It's not, it's not going to work out for you. So God is not mean because that gravity exists. This world would be chaos if there was no gravity. We'd all be floating around trying to like drink water and then it's like just kind of bending, like gulping and like trying, trying to catch the water. Gravity is a blessing. But we need to work with gravity. Otherwise, it's not a blessing to us. And the same thing with God's order and God's design of humility and responding to His mercies and His grace. 1 Corinthians 4, 14-16 I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet you, um, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be you followers of me. So again, it's, it's an amazing instruction of discipleship. And discipleship, like I've already mentioned, it happens through relationship. It's not just a matter of teaching. Because there's more than enough teaching out there. Like we, we, we live in an informa the information age. And information isn't always a blessing. Sometimes it does more harm than any good. Because there's just some crazy stuff out there. And so it's not just a matter of teaching and word, but it's a matter of relationship. You can't father someone that you don't have relationship with. I'm trying to think who I can use as an example now. I'm going to use a few examples just to uh, uh, carry the point across. 
Andrew Womack, Joseph Prince, Stephen Furtick, I think I've covered three big names that some of you might have heard at some point in time. Let's throw in uh, um, Billy Graham there and Rhino Bonke. I think now I've covered like a, a, a big enough crowd to have each one of you at least know of one of those guys and have received teaching from one of those guys or read a book of one of those guys. Let's throw in another guy, C.S. Lewis. Okay. <laughs> Some of you just think he writes novels. He's actually a, uh, an apologist as well. He's got an awesome uh, um, course on just Christian apologetics. And um, so all of those guys, you can receive teaching from them, right? Yes. But you can't receive fathering from Reinhard Bonnke. Why not? Because he's dead. <laughs> you can laugh like he's in heaven and he's like, he did a great work on earth. So like... He was welcomed into heaven with like an applause. So he's awesome. And I love his ministry. And so I've received teaching from him, but I've never received fathering from him. And so discipleship is not just a matter of teaching, but it's also a matter of fathering. It's a matter of relationships. And oftentimes relationships, there's going to be conflict. You're not maybe going to, maybe one day I forget to put on the over and you're like, just don't want to be close to 18 right now. <laughs> then you kind of dodge me. Um, or whatever the case may be. So there's, through human relationship, there's always going to be opportunity for conflict and, and navigating through difficult things. But it's important to see the blessing and the invitation from God to not only receive instruction and teaching, but to also be fathered. And through that fathering and through that relationship, you can actually also, because of that relationship and that example that you see, you can become a follower of that. Because it's easier, because you, it's not just, you're not just seeing the highlight reel of the person's life, right? You know the highlight reel where you go on social media and you, you see all of these highlight reels, that post with the 10 times over-edited caption, and that filter, and it's like highlight really like, man, that person's life is amazing. Wow, I wish I, what, what did they do? How did they get there? You see this highlight reel of this person. You're seeing these pretty pictures of babies, and man, they're smiling, and they're clean, and like, wow, that's amazing. And you see the parents, and their clothes are clean, and it's like, and then you realize that was one minute out of the day, and the rest is just chaos. Highlight reel. And so, just seeing the highlight reel of people's lives, we subconsciously know that, man, that's not real. That's not, that's like, that, that, that can't be real. We know that it can't be real. But we still subscribe to that, and we, we kind of follow that, and we want to live that kind of life. And we're not enjoying the fathering way. Man, you've seen, most of you have seen me in some form of low in my life. Well, I was frustrated or the kids messed on my shirt and I'm like, Man. You just have to like put a smile on your face and like push through and forget about all of the, the dirty marks and whatnot and the kids are tired and they're throwing temper tantrums and like, how you respond to that? Like, we are invited to do life together. That's the discipleship. And this, this instruction from Paul in verse 16 
be you followers of me, is given in a, a greater context in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be you followers of me, even as I am of Christ. So it's a specific reference to his life pointing people to Christ. Don't follow someone who's not magnifying Jesus. Stop following people who are magnifying self, magnifying their ministries and not Christ's ministry. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so discipleship, as we're continually seeing, is, is about teaching, receiving teaching, and also teaching one another. So multiplication. So first, Second uh, um, Timothy chapter two fifteen, discipleship is about studying the word, sitting under teaching, but also you yourself in your personal capacity going to the word. You cannot just listen to teaching. You need to listen to teaching, then go to the word and make it your own. Because if you're just parroting things, that's intellectual. A parrot can be a parrot. Be better than a parrot. Stop just parroting teaching and, and saying, 18 said this, and Shane said this, and let it be God's word says this. And you believe it in your heart. Not because some man said it, but because they said it and they revealed something to you. And then you went to the Word and you personalized it to the place where this is what God says. And you believe it. So study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We need to show ourselves. We need to convince ourselves. Because God's convinced of you. God has appointed you. You are accepted by God. You are qualified by God. But you walking it out is determined on whether you're believing it. You living out your purpose and your calling is determined by whether you believe that this is your identity and your purpose. This is what you were created for. And again, everyone doesn't need to now kind of quit their jobs and become a missionary or quit their jobs and be more in full-time kind of ministry. No, please remain where you are. Don't leave that place. However dark it may be, remain there because darkness can only leave when there is light shining. That's why we're here this morning, to be equipped so we can go into the dark world and to eradicate darkness. We need to be in those, those places, in those environments where there are unbelievers, where there are people caught up in bondage. But in order to come and change and be agents of change, we need to ourselves be changed, be transformed, to live differently, to think differently, to respond differently. That's called discipleship. The Strong's Defiance study for us as to, to speed and to make effort to be earnest, diligent, endeavor to labor. So studying is just, it's not about reading the Bible. Many people, many Christians read their Bible. They have their daily devotion. You read the word quickly because you only have two minutes. You read that verse, you're like, wow, I've done it. Like, cool. And then tonight, you're like, okay, cool, let's read another verse. Okay, I've done it. That's not endeavoring. That's not making effort. That's not being earnest about the word. And you don't have to have 
hours and hours of time of sitting with your nose in the Bible. But one amazing thing that we can do in this, this little bit of a crazy rat race kind of world that we're living is, is taking a verse, taking a scripture or a story and you meditate on it throughout the day. As you're walking, you're thinking on it and you praying to God and you're like, Lord, show me like what's the implication to this? Like, in what way can I respond to this? Because you've got you've got much time and and margin within your day to do that, right? Your coffee break, you're going to the bathroom, you're doing the dishes, jumping in the shower, like moving around, being at gym, all of those things which are beneficial. Please shower. It's beneficial <laughs> for you. It's beneficial for us. Um, but throughout all of those things, there's room for us to think. Because you are thinking, your mind is continually thinking and meditating on something. Let it be the Word. Let it be the Word. Study, pod on the Word, meditate on the Word. Rightly dividing the Word of Truth. The word dividing here talks about to making straight, to cut straight, to dis dissect correctly. So it's again, <coughs> it's talking about precision. We need to be precise about the word, not take the word out of context, because if you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con, context, right? The word context, remove text, and then you're left with a con. Let's not be con. Let's rightly divide, dissect the word of truth, of Jesus, the gospel of Christ. Coming to close. God's discipleship is God's plan to reach our world. John 15, 4 and 8 says, So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as the branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life infinitely joined to mine. Your life will be fruitless outside of your union with Christ and growing in your union with Christ. As a believer, you are as united and complete as you ever be. But your growing and your maturing is determined by your union, communion that you are enjoying with Christ and with the body of Christ regularly, continually. Verse 8. When your lives bear abundant fruit, say abundant. abundant. Abundant fruit. You can bear fruit or you can bear abundant fruit. Do you want to bear fruit or do you want to bear abundant fruit? Abundant fruit. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples or you are my true disciples who glorify my Father. So a disciple is someone who does not just bear fruit, but abundant fruit. How do we come to bear abundant fruit? It's by choosing, purposing, being a student of the Word, sitting under teaching, allowing yourself to be fathered, shepherded, shepherded through the body of Christ. Responding to, doing, not just hearing. Abundant fruit is a picture of multiplication versus just addition. 
1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 versus 1 times 2 times 2 times 2 times 2. This fruitfulness and this abundant fruit that brings glory to God, oftentimes we think of various things, of being a kind person, being gentle, being humble, and all of those things are good. If an unbeliever can do it, there's more to Christianity. An unbeliever can be kind, right? Who of you know kind unbelievers? I know kind unbelievers. Some unbelievers are more kind than Christians. Obviously, not you, you guys. The guys who didn't come this morning. Um, and so there's abundant fruit that brings glory to God. Goes beyond just being a good person or a kind person or a patient person. Again, some unbelievers are more patient than believers. So there's more to this. And what is it? Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Abundant fruit. And it's not talking about having kids. Praise God. Having kids is awesome. I've got two of them and they're amazing. But if it was limited to kids, then a lot of you are absolutely doing nothing. And you're wasting your life. And what about the people who are struggling to fall pregnant? And some of the people who don't want to get married and don't want to have kids. Are they then... Is this, a, this verse then not applicable to them? God's design for your life was abundant fruit. Multiplication. What kind of fruit is that? Matthew 28. And Jesus came and spake unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go you therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things which are so ever I have commanded you, and I am with you always unto the ends of the earth. Abundant fruit, multiplication through discipleship, being, bringing salvation to the earth. God's will is salvation for all mankind and for all mankind to grow in knowledge of that truth, of what it means. Last two passages of scripture. So this abundant fruit that brings much glory to God is men's salvation. The world's salvation. That is God's will. That is what this abundant fruit is talking about. Fruit that multiplies. Men and women coming to know Christ. Acts 5.39 from the easy to read version. But if, if it's from God, you will not be able to stop them. You might even be fighting against God himself. The Jewish leaders agreed with what uh, Gamaliel said. They called the apostles in again. They beat them and told them not to speak anymore using the name of Jesus. Then they let them go free. The apostles left the council meeting. They were happy because they were given the honor of suffering dishonor for Jesus. The apostles did not stop teaching the people. What did they not stop doing? Teaching the people. Why? Because what you are being taught is essential. Because what you are being taught becomes your belief system. And your belief system determines the course of your life. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows the issues of life. 
It all boils down to belief system. So what you hear, what you are being taught is essential. Doctrine is essential. Let it be the doctrine of Christ, the message of Christ, the gospel of salvation, not the gospel of prosperity. The gospel of salvation, forgiveness of sins, redemption from sin, God's spirit living in you and his spirit living through you. They taught the people, they continued to tell the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Because that's the only good news that we should be telling people, that Jesus is the Messiah. There's no other gospel. They did this every day in the temple area and in, in people's homes. A disciple is not swayed by the world, not swayed by being beaten. A disciple cannot be unconvinced of who Christ is and the calling to take him into the uttermost parts of the world. Last verse, Acts 6, 7. And the message of God, whose message? God's message, which was revealed in Christ and through Christ. The message of God kept on spreading and the number of disciples multiplied. Say multiplied. multiplied. So the number of disciples multiplied because of a message that was being shared. Something that was being taught. Teaching is essential. That facilitates multiplication. That's why we spend a whole Saturday morning, afternoon, Friday evening being taught. Because without teaching there cannot be multiplication. There cannot be growth. This is going to bless someone. Are you ready? Yes. If something hasn't challenged you yet, this is going to challenge you. <laughs> A great worship service cannot mature you. Great worship, great music cannot mature you as a child of God. If you want to disagree with me, don't disagree with me, disagree with the word. I think all of us don't want to disagree with the word. The message of God kept on spreading and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a large number of the priests were obedient to the faith. How can you become obedient with the faith or to the faith without teaching? You cannot. You cannot come to salvation without hearing the gospel. Romans chapter 10 is very clear about this. How can they hear without a preacher? Not without a great worship service. I enjoy worship. We had some worship this morning, right? So I'm not, uh, we're not anti-worship, guys. We're just pro-Christ. And being pro-Christ is sometimes going to mean that there's certain things not there. Obedient to the faith which is in Jesus, the Messiah, through whom is obtained eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca